In today's episode, we're discussing our experiences with second children, how we prepared, what it was like when our firstborn met their younger sibling for the first time, and the overall differences in parenting one child versus two. Hey everyone, welcome to the Papa Ifatige podcast, the podcast for dads by dads. I was online the other day and I saw a comment from someone who was having a second child and was very concerned with how that oldest child was going to react. And so today we thought we'd discuss how we got ready for our second child, what are the challenges of parenting two kids, and all of the stuff in between. So here's my deal. I have a seven-year-old girl and a four-year-old boy. So my oldest was about two and a half when her brother came. I'm Jim. I have a, my oldest girl is seven and the youngest is five. So they were about two and a half years apart, uh, almost within two weeks. So Jim, why don't you kick us off? Can, can you talk a little bit about how you guys prepared for your second child? You know, what, if anything, did you do to talk to your oldest about what this experience was going to be like? It was an interesting experience to talk to the older one about that because it had been just the three of us for the longest time, for her whole life, obviously. And so to start that when mom started to show a belly, understand that she was going to have a little sister, and start to talk it up, you know, about three months ahead of time um, when, the, uh, when the pregnancy really started to show and start to prepare in that way. I think you and I had talked earlier about, um, about the gift. You know, we mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that the new child was, uh, was gonna be a friend, was gonna be part of the family, and was gonna be loved by all of us. I'm curious, you, you talk about the gift, we did that too. What, do you remember what you, guys gave, uh, what you guys gave the oldest one? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> it was a little while ago. Uh, yeah, so I mean, on, on our end, we did similar things, right? You sort of lay the groundwork for the older one to know what's coming up. And, I think in in both of our situations, we benefited from the fact that our oldest was about two and a half, and and at least you know on our end, I think that our oldest could conceptually understand what it meant that there was going to be this other thing in her life, and you know obviously it's a little bit different rubber meets the road when you actually see what that means, but at least understanding the concept that you know at some point you were going to be a family of four versus a family of three. And I remember when we were pregnant, we have a friend who also has two and her oldest was their, their age difference was is just about two years. And I remember talking to her about how that was going because they're, so their youngest is the same age as our oldest. And so I was very curious what she was communicating to her oldest child about, you know, the, her brother that was coming along the way. And she said, you know, at that age, her oldest daughter couldn't really sort of understand Mm -hmm. what was going on. And so I'm sure that you know, it's a it's a pretty big surprise that there's this new thing that's also mm-hmm. coming home with you. So, you know, again, I think that having a little bit of age gap of about two and a half was super helpful in terms of preparing at least our daughter in that case that this thing is coming down the pipe and to just sort of getting her ready. You know, for the present, so we uh, I remember the present. She was very much into Lilo and Stitch at the time, so I got her a <laughs> Stitch doll, and it was. It was actually a little bit larger than I expected. I think it was about a, maybe a foot high. And I remember when we were prepping to go to the hospital and getting our bags together, I'm like, I can forget everything except for this thing, right? Because my daughter was going to be staying with my parents. And so it was like, well, if, if I don't, like this has to be given at the hospital. It's pretty important. And so I remember kind of wrapping it in the garage and hiding it. And, and that was the, the number one thing on the checklist of things to bring to the hospital. So... Uh, there was a whole story around that. And then, you know, I, the only other thing that we really did, uh, and I don't know if you guys did this too, but we 
had this whole conversation like, do we need a double stroller? Do we need a, mm-hmm. a buggy board? Like, how are we going to manage all of this stuff, you know, with both kids? And especially when they're two and a half, they're still using the stroller. So it was kind of, you know, at the very beginning, there was this whole like, you know, going to Bye Bye Baby and like trying out all this stuff. And uh, we actually ended up not doing anything. Did you did you guys go through the whole like, what kind of gear, what might we need for this new thing? Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say there was a time when we had just a whole garage full of strollers. And part of it was driven by that. And, you know, what are we going to do, too? And we had a we had a double bob. And we also had the uh, the upper baby, which had the, oh, yeah. it was like stadium seating mm-hmm, for, the two, mm-hmm. for the two girls. And that seemed to work OK. But there was all sorts of gear that we thought about. I mean, you know, the two car seats, how are they going to fit in the back? Yeah. You know, one forward, one backward, whatever with the booster seat. And trying to get all that gear together was different, you know, it was different than the first time. Uh, so, you know, uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that first meeting, right? So you're in the hospital, your oldest comes in for the first time. Like, what was that like? The oldest had spent the night with grandma. I think grandma had come over to our house so that she could sleep, so our daughter could sleep in her own bed. And I, it might be the first night that she had been without a parent. Uh, there might have been other nights when maybe we had gone out and she was with a babysitter and gone mm-hmm. to sleep. But I think that was her first night to be away from both her parents, was, which was something of a big deal for her. Uh, but then grandma brought her over the next day and, you know, I was a little raw, uh, sleep deprived, obviously an emotional time. I'd been through a lot of things. And as I've described before, that was probably the most emotional moment that I've had as a parent because the oldest came in and it was very clear that she understood that something really important was happening mm-hmm. and that there was, there was something that was fundamentally going to change. And when she met, she was very sweet when she met, uh, met her younger sister but there was a certain tentative like she didn't really know what was going mm-hmm. on and you know we've got it all in video and, and watching it again is very sweet and you know we let her hold the baby and uh and uh, so she sat with her mom for a little bit and held the baby and then she you know a couple of beats go by and she says you know could, could we put her in the in the crib <laughs> and, so, and so we did and then you know the oldest could spend some time with mom uh and like i say i mean it was emotional because for me it was the end of a end of a chapter it was the end of us being a family of three and the beginning of us being a family of four and to see that transition through my daughter's eyes was was pretty powerful it's interesting you talking about having recorded that experience i always have my camera with me everywhere i go i'm recording everything honestly it until you just said it it never occurred to me to record that moment and now I'm sort of regretting that I don't. I mean, <laughs> I, I have memories of it, but obviously memories are always going to be different than, than what actually happened. But yes, until this very moment, it just never occurred to me to do that. But yeah. you know, we had a similar experience where our daughter had spent the night at her grandparents and my parents live five minutes away. So she was used to that. And, and I think she had actually spent the night there a couple of times before. So that was not necessarily anything new for her. But, you know, just like yours, super tentative. I mean, I do remember her coming in and just sort of, looking around mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. kind of going what what's happening here and you know i'm sure part of it is also that you know just being in a hospital for the first time and just thinking wow this is kind of an interesting thing but mm-hmm. also you could just sort of see that like okay i, I know something's happening here mm-hmm. and now i'm going to experience it and that was interesting to see because i had never seen her like that before really sort of mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I, I can picture it. I think my daughter had something very similar. I think you describe it well. So one of the things that I had thought about a lot in advance of having our our uh, son was how things were all going to happen, right? I, I sort of I like to plan things out a little bit so I can be prepared. And one of the things that I, I mentioned this in, in the podcast that we recorded about 
having your firstborn is is that I always thought it would be important to have a little bit of alone time as mm-hmm. that new family, right? So obviously with the firstborn, it's your firstborn. There's just three of you. But even with the second one, I, I felt that it was important for us to have that time just to kind of see this new guy that was in our life. And so that was just, again, the, the three of us, my wife, myself, and our newborn. And he was born, I think, before lunchtime. And so we spent the sort of morning and afternoon with him and and my parents brought our daughter over around dinner time and part of that was because i wanted to again have that that time with him and the family but also i wanted to have kind of in my head it was going to be the special dinner you know i was going (laughs) to even though we had this the son we were i was going to take her out to dinner and across the street from the hospital there are a bunch of restaurants so you know i did the research like which ones have the menu that's going to make the most sense for you know my daughter and so she came by and and so we you know she spent a little bit of time you know again sort of looking at the baby and taking it all in and i'm like okay let's go grab dinner and so we went across the street and my parents were with us and we're ordering and she says uh can we can we go back to the hospital? <laughs> yeah, right. Which was not, I mean, it just never occurred to me. I was like, oh, we're going to have this nice special dinner. I thought that's, that would be yeah. sort of what would ease her into it to sort of show her that, yeah, we can still have these special moments. And so it was interesting to me to see that she was not thinking the same way that I was. She was really more about like, hey, mm-hmm. I want to go back and see what this is about. So I think for me, that was maybe the first signal that, okay, this, this might be okay. You know, because there's always this question about like, how was the... How's the older one gonna react, right? And and so we saw the tentative thing, but then also having her sort of express that she, on her mm-hmm. own, wanted to spend some time with our son, uh, and you know her her brother was was very interesting to me. So the next thing that I'm kind of curious about, Jim, right, is it's it's one thing for our daughters to come into the hospital, and you know you're sort of in that neutral. Uh, that neutral space where it doesn't really belong to anybody. But it's another thing now that when everybody comes home and now that child is in my room or is in my parents' room, they're in my house. You know, did you find, you know, how did your, I guess, how did your daughter react, your oldest daughter react when you brought your youngest home? And now there's this realization like, oh, okay, now they're they're in my house. Now this is really, it's happening. She handled it remarkably well. And thinking about this, you know, reflecting on this moment, thinking about this conversation, that she was she was really kind, really loving. And we were concerned because she is very much attached to her mom and in a way that's, that's kind of clingy. And so we were worried that mom would have to be giving attention to the newborn and would not be giving attention to the older one and that that would cause some problems. But it really wasn't. And part of what happened is that because the older was so attached to, to mom, I ended up becoming the, the attachment parent for for the baby, which was nice. But we also had to we had to spend some time and some effort to really make sure we were giving attention to both kids. I mean, we're you know we're tired. The kids are whiny. They want mom. They want dad. It was really easy yeah. to say, you know what, you take you take the daughter, go in the other room. I'm going to take this one and you know stay in here. And we had to make a conscious effort to to switch up. You know, even if they didn't want it. You know, they wanted mom. Well, you know what? We're going to spend some time together and make sure that we had one-on-one time with the with both kids. Uh, but aside from that, I mean, the, we had anticipated, well, I had anticipated that maybe there'd be some tantrums or some other problems, but the older one handled it better than I expected, which probably means that we did more groundwork than, than I'm remembering in setting her up for it. But she mm-hmm. was generally kind and caring and, and uh, you know, tried to make the baby laugh and was excited when she would roll over and things like that. So it was... It was not as uh, not as tense as I was anticipating, and, and in fact, in hindsight, it was pretty pleasant. I, you know, we had sort of a similar experience in that 
there didn't seem to be any sort of negative reactions when we came home. Our daughter was mostly curious and also very helpful, you know, really wanting to help out in the care of our son grabbing diapers when we needed them or getting bottles. And so that was really very helpful for us to also see her being engaged. And you see a lot of times that that can be advice that parents give when you have a second one to sort of ask or empower the older one to help out so that they sort of feel some level mm. of responsibility and, and they feel that they're engaged in the process. It, it's funny though. I have a friend and her kids, I think are four years apart. She has an older son. And she said when she had the the daughter, the youngest daughter, the the older son just sort of couldn't care less. <laughs> it was just like, you know, whatever, like you guys handle the, I'm going to go outside to play. You guys handle the girl. And um, so, you know, I don't, everybody, you know, all kids are different, right? Like some are want to be more involved. Some are like, okay, well I can coexist with this thing as long as it doesn't, you know, mess up my, you know, my playtime or whatever. And, and you, I think, you, you know, you don't really know until you come home, how your, how your oldest is going to react. And I mean, that, so there's a story that I, I like to tell. I think I, I mentioned this in a, in a prior podcast also, but as I mentioned before, I'm a planner. And so that first weekend I had planned to do something special with her. The first weekend we got back from the hospital with our son. And so I took her out to a tourist spot. And, you know, it's not it's not someplace where we, we go to often unless somebody's in town. And so we're, you know, we're walking around and we're going into the shops. And then I say, I tell her, oh, you know, you can buy a keychain. Which was a special thing because even when we go there with friends, I don't. It's not like I let her buy anything like that. And so I'm following her around the store. She's looking at all sorts of keychains and pulling things off the shelves and you know making decisions like this one versus that. And she seems to have made a decision. She comes to me and she says, um, she goes, she's like, oh, these two. And I, I said, right. no, you can't buy two. You can only buy one, right? Like, it's a, and she looks at me and she says, the other one's mm-hmm. for my brother. That's really sweet. And in that moment, I go, right? I think. I think this is going to work out, right? I mean, it's, we've only, you know, the, he's only been around now for like a week, actually less than a week that she's known him. And already she's she's thinking about him. And I thought that coming from a two and a half year old, it, it didn't occur to me at that age that she could sort of think beyond her own world. And uh, I think it says a lot about the capabilities, uh, the capacities of mm-hmm. young children to surprise you, but also to think about the larger world and and their level of understanding and care for the people around them. And so that that was really, yeah, I mean, that was a special moment for me. And, you know, again, you, you just don't know what you're going to get until, until you get there. But there can be little clues along the way, I think, that are going to tell you, okay, you know, things will probably be okay, or I might need to do a little bit of work here. You were talking about that, that feeling of that they're more aware and more kind of, and, and all that. watching a sister, watching a sisterhood development was really fascinating. And, and to your point, to see how caring the older one was for the younger one most of the time, but how <laughs> caring she was and how nurturing she was for her younger sister was really touching. And, and that's a, uh, an emotional sophistication that, that I didn't realize was there. And it's obviously, you know, something that we hadn't taught. It's just part of the innate nature of siblings, I suppose. Yeah, you know, I've always wondered about that in terms of like, you know, again, I go back to my friend who had the the older son. And again, you know, her experience was like, yeah, if you have an older boy, like he just doesn't care. And I was always sort of curious if maybe her kids were a little bit closer in age or if it was just a different boy, if there is some level of like older sibling responsibility that's sort of innate in kids or not. Obviously, we'll, we'll never know in our experience, but that was always something that I... I thought was interesting. And I guess maybe that's also one of the interesting things about having, mm-hmm. I guess, two kids is when you have a boy and a girl and you, you sort of see the difference. And, and and not all of the differences can be tied to their gender, 
but there are certainly differences that you see as as they're growing and you know i, I think that's just it's just fascinating as you have two and you you say well they have the same parents but they're yeah. so different right and and it's just like how did how did we get kids that are complete opposite ends of the spectrum when they share the same they share the same genes and that's it's always interesting to see those those little things as as, as they go along well i've always thought that the the older one is a product of me and my wife and the younger one is a product of me my wife and her older sister and in some ways i can see that yeah. i can see that the younger one has a lot as the best traits of all three of us and in some way that you know it's a it's a three-way not parenting but three-way nurturing environment that somehow she really sucked up a lot of that yeah, it's super interesting that you 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 bring that up because I never thought about it. But but I will say that so my I have a younger brother, but we're six mm-hmm. years different, and so sort of growing up, I was almost more of a parent at that point. Like I was like a mini parent, and you know certainly when you're nine and three, right, you're almost more of a parent figure. I mean, we I played with him too, but you're not playing mm-hmm. the same stuff, and so you're you are really sort of taking care of the the, the kid at that point, and that. I mean, it's an interesting dynamic as you're growing up when there's sort of that level of age difference where they're not necessarily your friend, at least in the early stages, right? Because they're so much younger than you. Obviously, when mm-hmm. you get older, it becomes a little, again, the, the, the relationship changes again. But, you know, those sort of dynamics. But yeah, I, I completely see what you say about that the youngest mm-hmm. one is a product of the three of you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting. And I think it's so, it's, it's so true. So... Let's see now, you know, as you get home, right, your child, your oldest is starting to kind of get into the swing of things. And now she understands, all right, the sister's here to stay. I'm curious, did your oldest regress or show any signs of jealousy? I mean, I I hear that, you know, sometimes your oldest can go from being fully potty trained to now needing diapers because, you know, that's how I can get attention and and sort of get noticed by my parents. We were lucky. We didn't have any issues. But did you guys notice anything like that as as sort of you were continuing down the path? We didn't see any behavioral regression, but in thinking about it, we had, um, there was some, uh, uh, some verbal regression. Some, some of her verbal skills mm-hmm. regressed a little bit and it, it's probably specific to her, but uh, we didn't see any of that temper tantrum behavior, you know, as you said, making a mess or somehow trying to get mom and dad's attention. And maybe it's because mom was giving the older one enough attention uh, and again, mm-hmm. we're very careful about trying to divide up and each of us have one-on-one time. But other than that, other than that, uh, those verbal, I don't even know how to describe it. Just, uh, her verbal skills took a step back and she recovered it quickly, but mm-hmm. we tied it to that moment. Maybe it was just a stressor, uh, about the change in yeah. the family. But other than that, she was, she was all right. So, okay, let's flash forward to today, right? Our, our kids, our oldest are seven, actually probably closer to eight than seven now. Uh, your youngest is five. My youngest is four and a half. What is it like having, you know, two kids? You sort of talked a little bit about how they get along, but, you know, can you expand on that? And then what are some of the challenges that you have now as, as they're a little bit older? Now we're seeing the jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> now we're seeing the specifically around my stuff. And I understand that. I had a younger brother. You know, this is my stuff. Why is she touching my stuff? She's going to break it. And and so trying to teach those things that we all want to teach our kids about sharing and, and being... Um, inclusive about their play and, and, and treating each other with respect things like that but that's the the jealousy has come up uh more than once and in some way i think they're starting to grow out of it uh maybe they're both sort of past this developmental stage and they're starting to be more like sisters and more like friends than they were kind of adversaries which is how mm-hmm. my brother and i were i remember the moment when we were having dinner and the the youngest one was now you know she wasn't just this 
kind of thing that was just shoving food in her face and you know we were trying to spoon her like she was she was engaged in, in uh-huh. some way and and uh, and I had this moment this epiphany of like well, we're we're now a family of four mm-hmm. which is really fascinating and that you know that changes the dynamic of the family and in some ways it's a bookend to when the oldest walked into the room with the baby you know we went from being a family of three and then we went to the transition period and now we're a family of four so it was that and that dynamic changes the dynamic between both of them and obviously between my wife and I with each of them individually and with them together particularly since COVID one of the challenges we've had is that the older one will act more mature and you know what in the younger younger one as well they act more mature they have like a an an outside persona or an out of the house persona that's much more mature and much more huh. advanced I would think than they are when they're in the house and my feeling is that the youngest one probably regresses to some sort of you know mm-hmm. babyish like behavior or toddler like behavior in order to differentiate differentiate herself from her sister mm-hmm. and then the older one ends up getting sucked down uh, you know so to speak her her behavior gets sucked down to the youngest level and when they're out on play dates or we're playing outside with other kids or they go to daycare and they interact with other kids there, they're much more mature and much more, hmm. much more uh, engaged, uh, you know, with grownups and with other people than they are at home. So that's one of the challenges that we're dealing with. How do we get the older one to have more interaction with her peers so that she ends up, uh, you know, developing those skills? And, and frankly, it's very rewarding to see, you know, hmm. to see that sort of outward persona. Yeah, you know, on my end, the kids get along pretty well, right? That that doesn't mean that they don't have their fights, uh, and they, they that doesn't mean that they don't have frequent fights. But I would say that the kids get along well. There's actually we have a little bit less of the ownership thing, and I I think that's actually not even a, a function of like the fact that I have a boy and a girl. It 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 seems like our daughter has started to kind of grow out of toys. You know, the kinds of things she's doing now is, you know, like at Christmas, she wanted more like science kits or like building kits. She wants to build stuff like Kiwi Crates. She loves Kiwi Crates. And they're ten, they tend to be like, they're not really toys. Like you build something and then it it functions and that's it. So like she made a pencil sharpener out of like wood and, you know, all this stuff. But that's it's not a toy. And so we don't really have the fighting over toys which i guess is helpful and maybe also some of that is is a gender thing i don't know but i i think it really is more a function of she just seems to have at this point aged out which i find shocking uh that we're at this stage she's only seven and a half eight and she's already like all right i'm done with toys which i guess is great for the wallet in some respects uh (laughs) until she asks for like an ipad or an iphone or whatever but those are hopefully years off uh, but yeah, so the, the kids get along pretty well. And I think that, you know, that is definitely helpful in terms of, you know, if they're constantly sniping at each other, then it certainly raises the temperature in the house. So that is one thing. Another thing that's that's sort of been interesting is sort of how they influence each other or, or don't in some respects. So, you know, I talk about toys. When she was younger, our daughter used to, people would give her dolls, but she actually never really played with dolls. And as her son has gotten older, it was really more when he was around three, three and a half. He actually was the one that was playing with the dolls all the time. But it was funny because it, it wasn't like he saw that behavior from his sister, but there were, mm-hmm. they just happened to be dolls around the house. And so he started playing with them. And, it, you know, there was, a, there was a time there where he would, you know, take the doll to daycare every once in a while and things like that. So I think that's been interesting. But like one of the places where I've seen influence is she got a nail kit 
for Christmas. And so she loves doing her nails and then she'll do his nails. And I've seen this a few times where uh, some kids that we see are clearly some of the boys are walking around with nail polish because they have older sisters and they're cool with it. And and our son is one of those. Like sometimes you'll catch him with, you know, whatever yellow or pink nail polish. And he's like, yeah, check out my nails. So just kind of how they how they play with that, you know, with each other, and how they influence each other. And, you know, early on in the lockdown that we're now coming up on a year on, he, you know, as, as we were all sort of struggling, like when we hit the lockdown immediately and it was like, okay, now what? We can't leave the house and there's no school. We, I busted out the Lego that I had, I actually had bought for the daughter who never really got into it. And mm-hmm. so I introduced it to our son who, you know, again, was, I guess, about three and a half at that time, almost four. And thankfully for us, the first two months of the lockdown, he could literally go from morning to night just making Lego, playing Lego, which was great. And it, you could sort of see his mental progression in it. And I only mention this because as he, as his skills progressed and he learned to make more complicated things, I could see my daughter sort of coming back around going like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I, I want to do that. But there was this point where I, I remember this very distinctly because he makes a lot of vehicles, um, trucks, cars, airplanes, spaceships, and she never went that path. And she would tell me, well, I, I don't want to play Lego. I can't I can't make that stuff. And I'm like, but you don't need to compete with your brother. Like you make really good buildings because she started to kind of make buildings, which he has never tried to do. And so it's just kind of interesting how his development of Lego has then sort of boomeranged over to my daughter, who now has started to play more and to exercise her imagination a little bit more than she had prior. And so just to see how they they influence each other in the kinds of things that they do, I think has been not always a challenge. It's certainly interesting. I I guess to go back to the challenge thing for us right now, the biggest challenge I think for us is bridging the age gap. And so, you know, two and a half, right? I mean, two and a half feels like it's not much, right? But the difference between a five-year-old and a Mm seven-year-old is a lot different than a 16 and an 18. And, you know, one of the things in particular that that I've been struggling with recently is is movie night. And, you know, you and I have talked about movie nights Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And I know that you guys, movie nights, it's smooth for you. You've got it down. (laughs) And, you know, for us, it's still a challenge when we when we started, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, how do we determine who chooses the movie? And we kind of rotate it off. And what we found is that the movies that our daughter wants to watch, they just scare our son too much. And he's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's more sensitive. And the kinds of things that he wants to watch, like, mm-hmm. you know, PJ Masks or Octonauts, these sort of short 20-minute episodes are kind of, you know, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not super interesting for our daughter. And so after kind of going back and forth and a bunch of fights about this and, you know, starting movies and then he leaves after five minutes because he's scared, kind of the way that we handle it now is I pick. <laughs> it usually yeah. is a documentary from, like, Disney Plus, like, uh, you know, behind this, you know, Secrets of the Zoo Tampa Bay. Which mm-hmm. we can all get behind, but it's it's not quite the same as watching a movie. You know, it, it's I don't know. It doesn't feel as special for at least for me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's the same sort of experience. Um, and so that's kind of one of the big challenges that we have. The other thing is, as our daughter has grown and gotten more capable in terms of what she's able to do. So I've always been very fond of board games and I think of board games as being conduits for sort of quote secret learning right so a lot of Mm -hmm. the board games or games that I have have some sort of mechanic it's not just the strategy stuff but it like 
it might be a, a math mechanic that underpins the gameplay. And, you know, so she's obviously able to do that, whereas he is not. But he is getting to the point where he wants to play the same games that we play, mm-hmm. which can be difficult. So sometimes if he's okay playing his own game, there will be times where I'll take a turn with her. And then when my turn's done, I turn to him and there's a completely separate <laughs> game I'm playing with him, right? Like shoots and ladders on the left with the boy and like, you know, King of Tokyo on the right with the dirt with the girl. And that's kind of been something that I've been trying to bridge because I do want to, I want to foster his love of, of sort of those types of games because I, I have that love and I, and our, our daughter certainly does. And it's kind of like, how do we get him to a point where we can all play together? And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just sort of changing the rules fairly dramatically so that he can participate. But it is hard when, you know, she wants to play the actual way the game is played and he just... He can't understand the mechanics yet. And so, you know, we're starting to see that that delineation between just sort of where their minds are at in terms of what they're capable of doing. And that, at this point, is kind of the, really the big challenge for us at this point. We've had a, a very similar experience. We have a game night once a week yeah. uh, after our family meeting on Sundays. And we had a problem trying to come up with what game we we're going to play. So we decided once a week, everyone's going to pick. So, you know, the youngest first, then the, then the oldest, and then my wife, and then me. So every week we, we get to pick a game. But it's very hard. You know, the movie thing, not so much. The, they've figured out how to, they're, they're kind of on, they watch a lot of TV, frankly. And so they're kind of, they're kind of on par with each other. So we can get away with that. But for the mm-hmm. games, because there is that cognitive and developmental level to it, it is hard to find a game that we all enjoy that's all fun. So, you know, when it's the youngest's turn to pick a game, it's, there's a game called uh, Duckaroo, you know, which is mm-hmm. basically accounting a and a memory game, a very simple memory game. Mm-hmm. But we go to the, any of the older games, and uh, or, or those younger games, obviously the, the older daughter just cleans up on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just, it's no mercy. Just, yeah, she just dunks on the rest of us uh, mercilessly. Uh, but then the, the older one, we we, we got to make sure that we're playing a game that the youngest one wants to be engaged in as well. So you're... And, and I've, I've felt like... Um, that I've been missing on that opportunity of playing games with my older one because I feel like we have to keep it at the lowest common denominator. And your idea of the separate games is great. You know, I, I think I can try that and play uh, a game, maybe a one-on-one game with the oldest and, you know, keep the other entertained. To your point, that, uh, that developmental gap is it's difficult to find things to do collectively mm-hmm. that are going to both hit their interests, keep them, uh, keep them engaged, and also be, you know, developmentally appropriate. So, okay, you know, as we think about sort of from top to bottom, right, from the, the beginning of this new chapter of life to sort of where we are now, what what do you feel are the big differences between having one child versus two? Everybody lied to me. They probably lied to you, too. <laughs> the second, the second is so much easier. And, and it was. The second one was much easier. We had some complications with the, the older one, and she was very needy, and it was uh, it was somewhat stressful. And the youngest one really was just a breeze. She was just a piece of cake. But everyone, when they tell you that the second is easier, they forget that you already have a kid. So right. having two kids is much harder than having just a second kid uh, by themselves. And so we, um, you know, my friends that have uh, three kids, they talk about the zone defense or whatever. I mean, it's nice <laughs> that we can still do the, the one-on-one. Uh, but because we have that one-on-one, we have to be very cognizant of, of spending time with both of them and making sure that we have one-on-one time with, with each of them. You know, we call it special, you know, daddy-daughter time or mommy-daughter time and uh, and make sure that we're giving them that, that attention. And like I said, with the with the attachment parenting, it's really easy to hang out with the one that's that's tugging on your pant leg, you know, and, yeah. and to make an effort to be to be involved in both of them. And I, I'd say that, um, you know, the whole, like, 
do you have a favorite kid? Not that that's come up yet, but mm-hmm. you know, I tell my oldest one that she's always going to be special because she was my my firstborn. I tell the youngest one that she's always special because she was you know my baby. She was the mm-hmm. one that was born second, and so in some way, letting them understand that it's not you know what I call them number one and number two. That's not <laughs> that's not a ranking. You know? it's, it's just, she was first and she was second. Uh, but the uh, the the sister relationship that's been that I alluded to earlier has been really interesting to watch and that's that's not a challenge and it's something that's just a pleasure to see that that the uh, secondary nurturing instinct you know that the sister has for for her younger one uh it's really sweet i like what you said about the whole favorite thing yeah we haven't gotten there either yet i'm curious have you ever read that book you're all my favorites no so it's a book that we got when our you know, when our daughter was younger, I, I don't remember. And I, I actually don't remember sort of where we got it, but it is exactly what you just said. So it's the story of three bears and they're all like, well, which one's the favorite? And, you know, one of the bears is like, well, you know, those guys have to be the favorite because it's the first one and that bear's brown and I'm black or, you know, that that bear's gray and I'm yellow. And, you know, and, and so it's you kind of go through the process of all the, the three bears saying, oh, well, I can't be the favorite. And so they asked the dad and the, the dad does exactly what you said. You're my favorite because whatever, you're the first one and you're my favorite because, mm-hmm. you know, you're the yellow one. And you're and it, it's it's actually until you had brought this up, it's not something that I had ever read into the book. But I'm like, it totally makes sense now. I get yeah, it. And I, yeah. I do wonder now if somebody gave this to us when we had our second child and knew <laughs> like way more than I did at the time. Like this is going to come up potentially. And so, you know, this lays the early groundwork. So I, I thought that was funny. I, li- I like that story. I think that, yeah, like you, you know, the, the, the difference in having two kids is you understand the baby is not the difficult part. You already know, like, the signs right. of hunger. You know how to change a diaper. You've got your system ironed out about the nighttime routine and all that stuff. But it is now you're now having to manage this other thing that may or may not need you. And so, you know, what happens is your time becomes really stretched thin, whereas before you know, one person could yeah. handle the child. Now there, it's either True. right. You either have both both parents are occupied, or one parent's occupied with both kids. Mm-hmm. And you know, the worst scenario could be that both kids gravitate towards one parent, mm-hmm. and now that parent is overloaded. Or you know, this is something that I see a lot: is that uh, the parent that one parent feels left out. Like, what? Wait a minute. Yeah. I'm like, I'm a parent too. Like, why don't these kids like me? Like, what's going on? At least if it's a one on one, I know I got one kid and, you know, I'm the favorite of this one kid. So I think sometimes the, the, um, not psychological, but more of the emotional part plays into the second mm-hmm. child and, and also just sort of that lack of time. It just sort of, it, it exacerbates some of the, the challenges that you might have with, with a first child. I, you know, the other thing that I found was, you're forced to think about that second child more more than you might if you just had one, right? So again, in in those first few weeks and months, I was always very aware of kind of what our older daughter was experiencing. And especially when you start having friends over or family members over for the first time and they're seeing the newborn and you know all that attention gets lavished on the newborn mm-hmm. meanwhile mm-hmm. your your firstborn is sitting there on the side like wait a minute you know it used to be they would always come see me and play with me why is everybody over there and so i think you start to think about those things in the early stages you know as obviously they get older it, you know everybody kind of adjusts but in those first few weeks or months however you have it planned when you know people come and see the newborn 
that I think that's the thing that I was sort of hyper vigilant about. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because you, you notice that some people also are sort of attuned to that and they go, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like you notice that they just spend like a minute or two with a newborn and then they'll come back and spend a lot of time with your yeah. oldest, you know, and and I don't know if that's because, you know, I, at the time, I don't I don't remember if it was because they were parents of two and they, they kind of been through it or if maybe they were a second or a third born where they felt mm-hmm. like I, you know, when I was growing up, I never got any attention. So they, they do try and they see where the attention goes and they go in the opposite direction. Um, but I always thought that that was, was interesting to sort of see. The other thing that I, I think is a, is a challenge with having to, and, and the, a lot of parents bring this up, right. Is that just sort of the second child can get the short end of the stick a lot of times, because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when it's the first child, the first time your first child walks, it's like a miracle, right? Mm-hmm. And this, this, when, you're, when your second child walks for the first time, it's like, oh, great, milestone, right? It's just the importance and the, the event is just, it's different because you've already experienced it. Mm-hmm. And so I think to sort of be aware of that, you know, I, I, I would hazard a guess that if you pulled every person you know with two children, there are fewer pictures of the second child than of the first, even if you're constantly thinking about the second child. And, you know, it can get to an extreme. I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, give one example. I have a friend who she's the third child and she says, you know, there just aren't a lot of photos of me growing up. And, you know, she mentions this as an adult. Especially back in the day when it was real film. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, but you know, I mean, the fact that she, this comes up as an adult says to me that somewhere it has affected her that, you know, there's a ton of pictures of the firstborn, a little bit less of the second and like, like a birth picture of her and a graduation picture of her, like <laughs> you know, nothing in between. Right. So I, I think that, you know, that, that can be a challenge. Well, we all know the joke about the baby book and we had the same thing, you know, the firstborn's baby book, just complete, you know, little mm-hmm, clips of hair and, mm-hmm. you know, all the photos and all the little stories. And the, the, my wife had done a, a, a like a thought a day, for mm-hmm. like the first year yeah. and wrote something down every day. Second one, no, there's no baby book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. even know if we tried. Right. And uh, yeah, hand-me-downs. Actually, uh-huh. our, our yeah. son, our son is wearing some jeggings from our daughter right now. Like, you know, <laughs> so, I mean, he's still at that age or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's different. And so I think being aware of that, hopefully at least mitigates that so that our second born when he's older has mm-hmm. more than just those, you know, one, one or two pictures. And so that is always something that I, I, I try and keep uh, top of mind, but it, it is, you know, I, it was funny. I was talking to a parent and uh, she had a, we were doing a, uh, it was, it, it was a school. This was like last year or the, I guess the year before it was pre COVID. And there was like an end of the year concert or something. And, and she wasn't there. And I felt so bad for her daughter because her daughter was sort of like crying mm-hmm. off in the corner. And so I went over to her and I said, hey, I got you covered. Like I took a video because I, I always take the videos. I'm like, I took a video. I'm going to send it to your mom. It's going to be fine. And when I, when I talked to the mom, you know, sort of confidentially, she's like, whatever, it's a second child. Like I've been through this before. <laughs> you know? I mean, so they're, they're, you know, again, like I, I mean, it's sort of a jest, right? But there there is sort of a kernel of truth to this sort of like, it's just different the second time around. And so to just, I think as long as you're aware of that, hopefully the child will never recognize that. Right. I think that's the important part is that they never think that they're the second fiddle to the firstborn. Right. That I think is the most important lesson out of all of that. And I would say, I guess lastly, you know, I've talked a lot about the sort of the, the the negative stuff, but it's funny because you, you and I have, I think the exact same 
benefit, it, it, which is to me, it's it's having two kids and seeing their relationship. Yeah, is so special, and and in particular those moments when they are thoughtful or mm-hmm. helping one another out, and it, it you know sometimes it's just these little daily things, right? Like there's one last piece of whatever, and the older child wants it, but she knows that the younger boy wants it and she'll give it to him. Or like this happens frequently when you split it in half and then he just shoves the whole thing in his mouth and now he's like, <laughs> right? And she's like, okay, I'll I'll give you some yeah. of mine because you just inhaled that. And 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 also like, I find it really special too in particular when the when our uh, youngest, the boy does something special and, and thoughtful for the sister. Cause I don't always want her to think like, well, you have to compromise because you're the oldest. Because I think that can tend to be a thing. Like, all right, you're the oldest, suck it up. But I always appreciate when he does something nice, when he goes out of his way to do the reverse. Like, oh, you want, you know, some of my pie? Like, I haven't finished it all. Have half of it or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I, I find, but those those little moments of interaction when they're getting along and it just, it's that sort of like faith in humanity restored, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just, you see the good in these relationships and you see the good in people. And again, it's just, it it can be just little, little things that happen on a daily basis. It's not some grand gesture, but that is so special to me. One of the things we saw recently was, or that I saw recently was uh, the older one standing up for the the younger one. And we were out on the sidewalk and the neighbor Mm -hmm. kids came by and the neighbor kids said something, you know, insensitive that toddlers say to the younger one. And the older, the older one just snapped to it, you know, like yeah. stepped in front of her and like stood up tall and nice. like, you know, don't talk to my sister that way. And it was, it was fascinating to see because it was entirely instinctual, you know, mm-hmm. it like, it came from a deeper, truer place than I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm curious also, um, you know, what I've noticed is when we have play dates with say only children that are our daughter's age, right? So the seven year old. Our daughter is always really good about including the younger one in. Yeah. How how does you know what is your your daughter's relationships like? Does your oldest one bring the youngest one in? Because that also can be a thing, right? Where the oldest one's like, "Look, you're always following me around. You're trying to mm-hmm. be like me. Like, get away." How, how what have you seen with your with your kids? Well, particularly since COVID, when we have so few play dates and so few people that we see, we've really made a point to to make it inclusive and and tell the older one that she's got to include her younger one and it doesn't seem to be a problem and they I think it's good for the younger one to be involved with the older play she had, yeah. you know gets better modeling mm-hmm. um, we try to drive home the inclusion part if one of them has a friend over that you know they both have a friend over but then we also have times where it's specifically a play date for just that one or just the younger one mm-hmm. and and sometimes it's hard for the younger one to understand but we you know she's gonna have her own play date with her own friend the older one's gonna have her own play date but when we do have interactions and some, you know, like your family or, you know, we've got some other families in the neighborhood that have kids that are almost the same age mm-hmm. as the older and the younger. So we can have these sort of four-way play dates that seem to work out really well. So those are some of our experiences with having two kids. If you'd like to support the podcast and hear more discussions around fatherhood, please subscribe and drop us a review. If you have any questions for us, hit us up on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash papa That's P-A-P-A. E-S-T-F-A-T-I-G-U-E. Thanks for listening.